This episode of Pots vs. Pete's was originally recorded March 15th of 2018. It was posted on 420 Blazin! This is your official spoiler warning. If you've not seen Guardians of the Galaxy, then I strongly recommend you check it out because it is super good. But hey, if you don't care about spoilers, then come and get your love. show we're here to talk about the marvel cinematic universe on its way to infinity war we're a week behind because they decided to push the movie a week forward and i don't know how to feel about that yeah we, we don't really know we were not expecting that um so at some point we'll find either some way to reconcile the time difference just bear with us we have no idea how we're gonna do that at all it's okay at this point none of these episodes are even online so no. but but they will be but Someday. To my defense, work is really hard. <laughs> life is tough for life is tough for us. Life is really trouble. tough. We have troubles. Subscribe and donate to my Patreon. <laughs> Please watch as I eat horrible things for money. I need money so badly. No, so no, badly. no. Is that is that how the guy that reviews? fast food lives i don't know uh probably or i mean i that's guess not, fast food's that's, really that's, cheap so like yeah probably just able that's, to do that's it that not way. a bad life that's not a bad life <laughs> except for like you know your whole body is kind of <laughs> gets wrecked but i guess if like well, he eats all he healthily, has to do all he has to do is review it yeah it's true he can only eat part of it and then it's just done after that yeah like, it doesn't have to be his full meal man now so, i'm bummed i didn't come up with that choice like yeah man, that sounds so yeah. much God, so so much smarter than what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then. So, uh, yes. Are we on our way to Infinity War? I think yes. uh, you have a synopsis of, about Infinity War. Uh, I, I do. Correctly. So, actually, this is going to be a really interesting movie, a new take from the Marvel Universe. Uh, Steve Rogers, Tony Stark, Peter Quill, and Chris Hemsworth, and Tom Holland are all going to be basically stuck in a room together with Thanos, who is also called Jigsaw. So the movie is <laughs> so. So to get this is right. It's it's Chris Hemsworth and Tom Holland, not Peter Parker and no, Thor. It's literally those actors are going to go to the movie set, and it turns out that the movie set is actually Saw in real life. So they had to try and basically become the heroes they're supposed to be, while Thanos, who is whoever Jigsaw is, come back from the dead with a bunch of infinity stones tortures them uh it's gonna be the new, newest that will be the big crossover um we're all expecting the crossover between guardians of the galaxy and the avengers movies well guess what it's a three-way crossover now with saw included let's do this saw 30 or whatever the hell saw they're at well potabomb you have sold me a ticket i will be seeing <laughs> avengers infinity war in theaters. It's also a musical. My Jigsaw Puppet. Oh, wow. It's a musical, too. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. If I remember correctly, it's your turn to do the synopsis. Uh, hopefully an actual one. Yeah, I won't give the actual synopsis. Wait, that's not the actual synopsis to Avengers 3? <laughs> Man, now I'm so much more disappointed. Hey, yeah, I have you have officially lost me as a customer. If it's not that movie, I will not go. I'm done. I'm going to walk out of the theater when I don't see some can-we-play-a-game joke. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be quippy if someone gets their arm cut off. Like, let's going to be this movie. <laughs> Alright, so on to the synopsis of Guardians of the Galaxy, the actual one. Um, so, Peter Quill is a young boy on Earth, 
um, when his mother dies um, at, I think he's about like 10 or 11 um, in the 80s, and is quickly, within two minutes, um, stolen off by aliens and taken away from Earth and into another galaxy, universe, planet system, I don't even know, he's, he's, somewhere, he's somewhere way far away from Earth, um, and grows up with a group of space pirates. Um, he then kind of defects from them, essentially, or basically just kind of takes the pirate code of life and tries to steal from the pirates themselves um, by stealing what basically is a MacGuffin for this movie. Um, it's, oh, yeah. spoiler alert, it's another Infinity Stone. He doesn't know it, but um, that kicks off a line of events as people are after him and the Infinity Stone, um, including Gamora, who's after him and the Infinity Stone, um, Rocket Raccoon, who and Groot, his partner, who are after him, and once they're all <laughs> meet up in prison... They, they all they meet Drax the Destroyer, and together this group of this bunch of a holes uh, tries to essentially get rich, and then kind of sort of saves the galaxy too, um, in a weirdly like nice move on their part, but it's also kind of money based at times. But it's an oh, altruist yeah. it's an altruistic moment for these group of people that are not good people. Right. Yep. That's yeah, more or less. That's uh, yeah, that's the that's the movie. Yeah, um, I didn't go much into the plot because, well, there's not much of a plot. It's just, there's a plot, but it's 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 a it's a nice, easy, simple plot. Yeah, it's a nice and easy, simple plot. Yes, I I don't think that saying that it's not much of a plot is fair. No, know. I mean it's, it's, it's just it's one thing leads to another yeah. pretty pretty it, fluently and it organically benefits to the movie's advantage uh because so much weirdness happens in this movie like yeah. i think i mentioned in a podcast earlier that um i think it was either thor or captain america was like the first time marvel finally embraced the comic bookiness um this is the first time they get weird and yeah and all capital letters weird and they will this... continue to be weird after this movie because this movie did so well it's great some, some of us like to credit Thor Ragnarok as kind of the first one to like really adapt the Kirby aesthetic. Uh, but I, in some ways I feel like this like is really the beginning of like a Jack Kirby feel to these Marvel movies. Yeah. That's like, not grounded in some base reality. It helps that we're not on earth anymore, but right. it's not a boring earth. Like there's some sci-fi movies that like, yeah, it's on a different planet, but it totally looks like a city, but like yeah, there's right, aliens right, right. wandering around. No, this is just weird. Like at some point they're in a head of a celestial being and like people are like mining its eyes and bone structure. And like they're the whole entire city is built within the skull of a giant space monster thing. And yeah. it just, and the movie doesn't like dwell on it. It's just like, here's the facts about it. We're rolling with it. Just deal right. with it, or you get the, the exits over there. Um, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Like the the poster to this movie, and part of the reason I knew it was going to be special was because like it had the characters, and on the bottom tagline is "You're welcome." The movie hadn't even come out yet, <laughs> but the movie, the, but like the, the marketing is just like, no, 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 trust us. You're gonna thank the, us later. Like that's the gutsiest thing I can imagine. It's so right. much fun. I wonder how much of it actually guts. I, uh, you know. Uh, I was listening to an interview, I think, I don't remember who it was. It was probably Nolan or, um, or J his brother, Jonathan Nolan, but like they, they knew in the middle of dark night that they had something special. Like it wasn't like they, they found out overnight. It's like, wow, I can't believe our thing became sensational. No, like, like they knew that with Heath Ledger's performance and everything going on, like something, uh, about that movie is going to be extraordinary. And I felt like the same thing kind of happened with guardians that yeah. they in the middle of it, they're just like, no, this is something that's really tapped into something that uh, we've never tapped into before. And really many other movies, let alone superhero movies. Right. It, this is something very special. Um, and we're going to get a lot of copycats after this. Um, yeah. Which is, that's actually uh spoiler. Alert, that's actually one of my cons. Uh, yeah, I can. That's so, that's my third one. Is that a bunch of superhero movies after this have tried to copy? Yeah. Well, do you want to well, go into the good yes, versus the bad? Yeah, the I do versus... want to go into the goods. Yeah, and like this is this is one where I'm just like I'm ecstatic to talk about this. I love this uh, movie so much. And, and so my first good is a very uh, I guess straightforward 
one, the characters work. Every oh, single one so of them. Well. well, at least every single one of them of the uh, core uh, main characters, the Guardians of Gal- of the Galaxy, if you will, uh, work really well. And they're just on the ball and stuff like this. I have a big problem with a lot of these Marvel movies when they're trying to be funny and all this stuff. Um, which, oddly, I haven't brought up in any of these movies yet. Uh, it really, it must be, it must have started with this one and has escalated horribly uh, in the next bunch of movies. Um, and, but what I'm getting at with this is that the humor works in this movie because the characters make sense with with what's going on with all the talks and banter that they have. And the fact that they don't mesh well together at all. And then, you know, you know, they work it out in these manners that that ends up, you know, working out in the benefit of the whole group type thing, if that made any sense. Yeah. And so the humor of this movie comes organically from those situations, not because like, oh, man, we need to make a movie funny. It, it just it seemed to work out really well. And it starts at that baseline. And on top of that, and this is my second good thing, the songs work well in this movie because it. It signifies and and presents uh, Peter's relationship with his mother and Peter's character in general. Like this is this is Peter Quill's. This is Star Lord. Uh, if people don't know the character, that's the Chris Pat, Pratt character. Uh, it it's his movie, and he's you know the main character essentially at the end of the day. Even though this is a great ensemble piece, um, but we see this universe, this galaxy through his eyes, and the music flowing with it. Um, you know, it represents how we see it and the moods that we get, uh, from the songs are, are his moods. And, uh, you also see that in his connection with his mother at the beginning and end of this movie. So, um, those, those are two things that work really, really well. Uh, third thing, I don't know how to introduce this third one organically, so I guess I'll just have to go for it. But basically... Uh, I showed you a video a while ago about uh, uh, the term bathos, if you remember correctly. Yes. Potabom. Would you like so, to explain what bathos is to everybody yes, else? Yes, I would. This is exactly uh, kind of, to me, this was the quintessential argument of like, yes, this is why Marvel movies don't work for me. And this video by uh, Just Right, I think, is either the name of the series or the name of his YouTube channel. I don't remember. Uh, but he went through this term called bathos. And basically what bathos is all about is it's a literary term about how uh, about a, a form of a comedic timing, basically, where you set up a scene uh, as an organic drama and something's going on that, you know, organically comes up and people are having disputes and it. And the tone is fairly dramatic and straightforward. And then everything's shortcut by the end. It builds up to this this uh uh way to light lighten up the whole mood and by shorthanding everything with a joke basically uh is what bathos is all about um so uh, the youtuber this just right guy argued that a lot of uh marvel movies use this to shorthand a lot of these uh character moments and the example he gives specifically is uh, Doctor Strange putting on his cape for the first time because that should have been a moment where Doctor Strange is fully realized as his character and comes to terms of who he is and then his cape like slaps him on the face or something like that. So the whole mood of like, yes, I am here, I am this character is completely shorthanded by the cape smacking him in the face. And the other example he gave was from Guardians of the Galaxy where we have Rocket the Raccoon, you know, the... All the group is standing together for the first time because they have decided they are going to fight for their lives and fight for everybody else's lives and potentially lose theirs in order to fight something they all agree is is wrong. And uh, the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxies are, 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 have risen, have stood up together, and Rocket's the last one to stand. And officially he you know gets on the box and stands like, ah, here, I'm standing. Now we're all standing. We look like a bunch of jackasses. That's more or less what the you know scene ended up ending on. And his argument is that that was bathos. 
But when I actually watched that scene again for this, you know, review for this podcast, it, it it's very it's a lot more complicated than like that. The scene is actually broken down into something we called in college uh, units of units of emotion and units of mood. And the scene actually begins in a very comedic uh, way. They're arguing about something very petty about um, Peter Quill's plan percentage. He has 12% of a plan figured out. And everybody, you know, is just like, oh, wow, that's way too little of a plan. And, you know, they get very into the argument of pettiness. And eventually, uh, Quill breaks that, you know, kind of, you know, comedic tone when he's just like, you know, hey, I this is actually... Uh, something that is meaningful and like blah 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 and he turns his back i really wish i would have uh um written down a lot of this dialogue so i could have been very specific on what he says uh but he breaks the tension and it becomes a more dramatic uh position once I, quill turns his back I to the rest remember of the group a lot of the dialogue um in that one he's basically yeah because they're talking about um rockets Rocket, the, eventually a couple of characters, uh, Peter and Gamora, get kidnapped, um, and Rocket and Drax and Groot have a terrible plan to save them. So yeah, that's a comedic, yes. the comedic beginning, and we get this whole bickering and arguing between the two um, yes. about that, and then Peter says he's got a plan, and he's got a 12%, and then everyone's like, that's a terrible thing, except for Groot, who says I, he's better, better, than than a, 11. better than 11%. Um, and then, you know, yeah, then it gets into that, like, it's still funny, and then it gets into the serious moment of, life's given us a chance to, like, we're all yes. losers, we've all lost something, and life's right. given us a chance to give a shit. And, and yeah, it's a nice moment, and he, he says all of that, and, you know, it's like, we can, you know, where you're asking us, and then, you know, he's like, uh, life's given us a chance to give a shit. Yeah, and Rocket tells him, very serious and straightforward, no comedy of, it's very you're, tender. Yeah, you're not asking us to help you. You're asking us to die. This is a suicide mission. Like, and we get that it's a nice underplay too of that whole, you know, the rousing warrior speech. And everyone stands up with a, you know, a, with no abandon. It's like, yeah, we'll do this yes. for you. When in reality, this is the seriousness of the situation, which is they're not going to win. They're going to die. So, what do do they want to run or do they want to die? now and that's when they all agree to it so yeah sorry that's that's the gist of the yes scene. and then and then it ends with you know rocket raccoon standing with them and you know all right we're a bunch of jackasses and to me that really isn't like a laugh out loud like zinger or uh or a, an end to a joke really it's kind of like to me it's more like a huh uh or, or a levity moment uh, yeah it, it felt like it felt very tender just like all right i'm one of you guys now Right. Uh, at this moment. And um, uh, and then on top of that, it flows directly into them explaining the plan, which is kind of an upbeat montage moment, which just flows nicely as a film. So, like, it's way more complicated than the fact that it's a bathos moment. It really wasn't, because the whole scene is broken out into different tones and adjustments. And this movie's a master of of playing with the different tones and giving great moments like that. Um, it, the movies it's throughout like with this you, you you start with having great characters and the characters dictate where the tones go and where the arguments and conflict comes from uh, Rocket's uh, whole thing about being called a, a, a vermin and all that stuff a pet uh, yada 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 and uh, and that like I didn't ask to be created type thing like that was a very emotional moment as well as as well as a lot of things um and yeah, they, I guess, quote unquote, get shorthanded with zingers um, or little jokes at the end, but it fits with the characters that have been presented and created uh, in this film. Yeah, exactly. Um, this, yeah, this isn't the bathos that everyone's talking about. Um, this is, I guess that'll go into my first good. Um, the comedy in this movie is woven into its DNA, and that right. by proxy is keeps it a little bit away from bathos, um, this bathos problem that happens later, and we'll get into that later. Um, but, yeah, it's woven into the movie from pretty much almost the beginning. Uh, we get a really nice tender moment at the very beginning. Again, if it was a truly movie that, like, wanted to undercut itself, there would have been a joke after, you know, his mother died, but the movie let it be sad, 
And then right. we get like, you know, the mysterious scene and then <laughs> and then this is what I do. I love the movie is when like the title card kicks up and red boat happens and we get like two minutes of Peter Quill dancing and kicking weird mm-hmm. monster animals and just like dancing to come and get your love. Like it's so much fun. And it works too, because all these characters, you know, the characters who make the jokes that would be considered bathos, it's clearly done because not to make the audience laugh, but because that character is insecure about what's happening. And comedy yes. is their form of dealing with it. It's usually Rocket or Peter Quill that are doing it, and those two are so insecure about themselves, and it's uh, obvious. Yeah, those those two are so insecure about themselves, and they're the only ones that legitimately try to make jokes. Everybody yep. else is not funny, and yeah. that's what makes them funny. Yeah, uh, much like is, the Steve Rogers thing. Drex is like I like the weirdest like comedic geniusness of his character and it's mm-hmm. great because we get to finally get a Marvel character that's funny by not trying to be funny he's not doing one-liners quips he just legitimately does not understand very basic forms of language and things mm-hmm. that we take for granted and that makes him funny or he has no filter on his mouth like that's that's about and he's again he's not making quips he just happens to be funny because that character is that idea of a character that doesn't understand metaphors and takes them all literally, that's funny to us, as people who take that stuff, that we just say it without thinking about it. And so if we, like, if you saw someone on the street who literally, like, took all of your metaphors completely seriously, that would be hilarious, and that's what Drax is. So, yeah, it's, and Gamora's not particularly funny, which is great. I don't need her to be funny. That's totally nope. fine. Nope, don't need her to be, uh, Groot's, Groot's funny because he's, like, simple, not stupid, yes. but he's just different. Um, yeah, and he's again, very straightforward. Like, yes. why do I need to wait to go grab the core reactor <laughs> yeah. thing when I could just do it right now? Yeah, and it's just, like, charmingly, like, the nicest character, like, almost all yes. these movies. And, like, yeah, he, he, like, kills people, which is not a nice thing to do. But, like, in general, he, like, he's one, he's one of the few people who tries to be positive about everything and pushes, ends up pushing Rocket into this hero's journey by mm-hmm. establishing the fact that, dude, yeah. we don't have any other friends. Like, yeah. don't, don't be so quick to leave these guys. They're, they're, they haven't tried to murder you yet. Yeah. Stay he, with them. He's kind of the catalyst that brings them all together yeah, in is. some ways. I, I think Peter tries the most to bring them all together, or at least not have each other, uh, have them kill themselves or yeah. kill each other. And, uh, but Groot, like, really, like, I think really likes these people and wants to wants to be friends with them. Yeah, Peter's the leader, but Groot is the heart of it, if that makes any sense. They're all here Absolutely. because of Peter, but at the end of the day, especially in this movie, um, they're what keep, binds them all together um, is kind of Groot, which... Yes. Um, yeah. Which is very uh, straightforwardly handled uh, by the end of the movie, which is fine with me. I'm... I'm I think subtlety is a little overrated, to be quite honest. Yeah, I'm totally fine with, like, yeah, this movie had its subtlety moments. Like, um, you know, when Rocket explains his life history, we don't see a big flashback about that. Uh, right. We just get a drunken rant that tells us everything we need to know, which is he has been mistreated and he is in some sort of pain. That's it. Um, which is, yeah, again, we don't get big backstories for all these characters. We don't need them. They're established enough by what they do, not by people telling us what happens to them absolutely so yes um uh so turns out all my goods are the same as yours so sorry oh, perfect um but <laughs> yeah it works out well i i did kind of want to add something to that drax thing oh, I will, um, oh yeah go for it uh, i saw this post when this movie first came out of somebody on i i don't remember which meme site it was but basically he wrote this long thing about how his brother uh is autistic or is part of the spectrum and, uh, you know, had no representation in any kind of movies. Not like he was asking for any kind of representation, but like never really truly saw himself on the screen. And then he saw Drax and was going like, oh, he's just like me. He doesn't get metaphors as well. And uh, just instantly sparked up when, you know, when saw Drax and apparently Drax became very influential in his life after that. And he, he's just like, I really want to thank Marvel and Disney. It's just like, I don't know if you uh specifically we're trying to do that i don't i don't know if it was trying to be coded in there as no i don't think so but like that's awesome like it's not yeah he i don't think drax has any as a spectrum i think he just culturally does not understand stuff but right it's it's very clear that it's his species but who cares like like i'm glad that somebody had a connection with this character 
Um, yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's absolutely, like, my favorite thing that... I, I want to say that I kind of wanted to hate this movie the same way I wanted to hate the Avengers. And, um, and like that post, like really turned me around. It's like, God, uh, that was a good point. <laughs> yep. And weirdly enough, um, I'll, I'll get into my goods in a second, but I do want to share this story. Um, I actually didn't like, don't know if I liked this movie the first time I saw it. Yeah. Um, and this is more of a, not because the movie was disappointing, but because, and this will happen with a lot of the movies coming forward. It got overhyped for me um, right. by everybody saying this was like the greatest Marvel movie ever. And then when I saw it, it wasn't, it didn't reach my expectations because literally nothing in the universe could ever do that. Um, it's a problem that I have where, you know, if people keep ranting about how good something is. My brain just kind of like recalculates itself to like, you know, to meet that expectations instead of a normal average expectation of I've never seen this movie and I mm -hmm. only somewhat know these characters um so yeah that's but you know i went to go see it five times in theaters and have watched it at wow. least multiple times a year so like clearly i love this movie it's yeah. the second time i fell in love with it hard and i've just never gone back since. good for like, you i yeah i i kind of had the opposite uh and i guess we'll just gonna go into the yeah. story bones right now when i first uh, yeah. watched this movie okay good point. Oh. When I first watched this movie, uh, we were, um, Akila, my roommate, uh, was, uh, ahead of the theater and he, uh, would preview movies before we would go, uh, before they would release it at the movie theater down in Lamoni. And we were previewing, uh, 22 Jump Street. And that took a little longer than we expected, but we decided to still go catch a midnight showing of this movie at, uh, Jordan Creek. And, like, you know, tired, we had a long drive, yada, yada, yada. We went and saw this movie, and I just loved it. I thought it was really great and, like, completely turned me around on things. Again, expecting to hate it because I have this weird bias against uh, the MCU specifically. And um, when I got in, the, we got in the car and we went back home, I wanted to talk about it, but nobody had anything to say. Like, it was the weirdest, like, yeah, it was good. That's disappointing because there's yeah. plenty to talk about as we've not shut up about this movie uh, for uh, the past however many minutes. Right. And oddly enough, I don't think a lot of these th themes and stuff like that I, I really noticed or um, dived into. And to be fair, I don't watch this movie as nearly as often as you do. I, did, I watched it twice in theaters and maybe one more time after uh, I got it on Blu-ray. Uh, but, like, I wouldn't have noticed a lot of these themes and, and interesting talking points until the sequel came out. In some ways, this movie, uh, it works really great by itself, but it works even better when you watch it with the sequel or know that the sequel exists and where things are going. Yeah, we almost should have watched the sequel because they, like, chronologically take, like, place within a few months between each other. So, like, we could have... Well, yeah, we should have totally done that yeah, just to catch up. That, but, well, yeah, and, yeah, oh, well, I'll... I'm excited to get to that when we get to that. Yeah, for but sure. But like, but in some ways, like this movie, like they are interconnected in ways that like is it's just like, oh, I get everything now that's going on. A lot of people after the movie came out was just like, who's who's Quill's father? Who's Quill's father? And I, and to me, that was a lot like the Ray question. Yeah, and it was just like, who cares? Like, why do we need to know who Quill's father is? Uh, and I guess I was an idiot because I didn't pay attention to the movie well enough when they're just like, the only reason why he survived touching the stone is because he's part whatever his father is. And it's like, like, oh yeah, that's actually this a good story question. Is, <laughs> this movie is so complete that it, yeah. it isn't necessary, which is awesome. Yeah. That's what I love about it. Um, yeah. is it's, it's its own story. It's a full beginning and end. And if there were no other Guardians of the Galaxy movies after this, we would have gotten an awesome one. Right. It's not like a cliffhanger in like some of these other Marvel movies where it's like, Clearly, it's either setting up for other movies or trying to do something like pretty much almost all this movie feels like a whole cohesive thing. Yeah. Um, so I wonder all... how much James Gunn knew ahead of time what this movie, like what this movie and what the sequel he wanted to do. I bet be, he had some inkling become. of like what he wanted to or what. Yeah. I'm sure he knew the character so well that he yeah. knew what story beats he would need to do in the sequel. The, um, they're to... weirdly very interlocked. Yes, that I'm surprised. So. You know, there were very two different movies. You know, yeah. Um, so okay, I'll go the. I'll try and go through my two fast because we got talking. Uh, my last yeah. two fast because we got talking. 
Um, I really like the soundtrack. We already stated that. Each song is perfect for what's happening mm-hmm. um, and what the moment is. Like, you know, a good song with that moment. But there's one other thing that's really nice about it. Um, it's a constant reminder that Peter Quill is, A, living in the past. That's oh, it. Yeah. He's not, he is not, and two, that he hasn't grown up. He's a child. Yeah. That's 100% the truth. And it's and it's nice. It's not a childish thing like, you know, where like, Tony Stark is like, you know, quipping like a child, but you know, kind of know he's an adult. And it's like this weird man child thing where it's like Peter Quill is from the very beginning. Yeah. He's doing adult things, but like, he's not really grown up at no. all. He hasn't. And he also hasn't dealt with his mother's death at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been pushing that off to the side for, you know, 20 something odd years. He hasn't refusing dealing with to it. open the present. Yeah. He's re- yeah. Not that's a good, like literal symbolism. Um, like, and just the whole idea of, you know, and he's talking, at one point he's talking to Gamora about what happened, and he literally cannot even say, my mom died. He yeah. can't even say that sentence. That's, he's, he hasn't, he's has issues, um, beyond more when all these Ollie characters do, and they all have issues, um, which then goes into my third point, which you already say is your first one. These characters are so ridiculously well-rounded and good. Um, yes. And it's, it's phenomenal, and I think... The best way I can describe it is these characters would fit in uh, what a scenario I'm going to call trapped in the elevator. Um, so there's a really good episode of Archer. I don't know if you watch the show or not. but it's, I probably know the concept. Yeah, but it's this crude show about spy characters. It's really funny. But the more important thing is all these characters are similar in the fact that they are, you know exactly what they want. And there's one episode that they literally get stuck in an elevator together and it does not cut, or I guess since it's animation, it does, like, it never, its cuts aren't the same, but it doesn't move the camera or locations or anything like that for a solid 20 minutes. You have all these characters stuck in an elevator for 20 minutes, and no time passes. Like, it's, the conversation literally goes from, you know, minute, like, two of the episode to minute 21 of the episode, mm-hmm. and that's it. That actually oh. has a term, Mr. Potabom. In the TV world, they call it a bottle episode. Ah, but a bottle episode will have time jumps. This doesn't. Nah, not that I know of. A bottle I... episode. A bottle. I think you're confusing that with uh, like a flashback episode. A bottle episode takes place solely in one location, one set, and deals with it uh, throughout in one um, uh, fluid time. It doesn't cut times or anything like that, or if it does very rarely. And the reason why they're called bottle episodes is because if they have to do another episode of the season, but ran out of money or to save money for larger episodes for later on, they wanted to keep that uh, money condensed to just one set of one of the, uh, of one of the scenes and have that be an episode of the thing. It totally comes from right. Like the community episode where it's the bottle episode. I think this one, I think this fits a little bit differently because, like, even that had a little bit of time jumps and, like, different scenarios happened that, like, you know, different outside influences happened in that one kind of-ish. Yes. Whereas this one, in that elevator episode, literally almost no influences happened. It's just straight conversation. Um, Right. And this fits that so well because all these characters, I can imagine them stuck in a bottle episode. A lot of the other Marvel characters, I couldn't imagine, like, a group of, like, I couldn't even imagine the, like cast of anything except maybe the avengers is stuck in a bottle episode for 20 or you know whatever trapped in the elevator for 20 minutes and having a straight conversation no it's not gonna happen uh but these characters totally would happen and it's yeah testament to how good they are and that and how good the dialogue is written too yes and i have i haven't written down to the i have a plan scene which we've gone over and how good it is but i just remember being stunned by that scene my mom was too who's also a film nerd and we were just like, oh my god, it's literally, I counted out, it's about 4 minutes and 23 seconds of just straight conversation. Yeah. Um, that has all the emotional highs and lows, and yet is comedically light enough that we are not, it it's, doesn't like, undercut the movie's light-hearted tone. Right. It's incredible, and this whole movie is littered with moments like that. I'm glad we thought of that as the, that being kind of the highlight of the movie, rather than like, something um, spectacle-wise. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's... You, you you compare this with the Avengers, the spectacle of them fighting together for the first time is, like, the highlight of the movie, versus this, it's a dialogue scene. Yep, it's, yeah, it's just them talking with each other, and I feel like for most people, that was the highlight, like, 
I after this movie, I, that's like all anybody could talk about was this scene, and it's it's. I it's wish glad. I would have talked to your people because I wanted to talk about this movie. Yeah, because I'm Damn glad. It. Yeah, well, the people I talked to, I was glad that this was what everybody took away. It was everyone. Everyone I knew was quoting this, and the I have a plan thing for you know years later. Um, I I I also kind of forgot about this scene when rewatching it, so it was a nice little comeback of like, oh, I remember this scene. This is magical. Like I'm so yeah. excited. So um, yes, that's my. They're literally the exact same as your goods, but can't stress that's, it enough. Well, All three I can't of those believe are so good. I can't believe those were the three things I did. The songs kind of on a whim because it's just like, well, that's the obvious one that everybody was gonna go for. But uh, I thought. I thought I had a decent reason why they were there. I almost like your reading more. Not that the, you had to pick one or the other, but I, I, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I didn't think about the fact that he um, can't, he that uh, the songs being an extension of him uh, not growing up. I think that works and is, is really good with that, th- with that theme right there. Yeah, we're both right on that one. That like, yeah, it's an extension of his connection to his, his last connection to his mother but also that connection is kind of a double-ended sword because that yep it doesn't let him let go of her. Not that he can't listen to the music and like you know remember, but he's doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, perfect. That's awesome. All right, uh, your turn to go for the bads. All right, uh, my turn to go for the bads. Um, yeah, I only I actually really only have two. Um, I guess one is a mediocre in the middle line, um, which is that the story's pretty simple. Um, it's okay. not a, it's not bad on this movie's part. I want to make that very clear. But if you're gonna try and nitpick this movie, um, you could that would be a very easy vulnerable point. Is that the movie's pretty simple, um, but it works because this movie is <laughs> which my bad is now turning into a good. Uh, so but, <laughs> so yeah. totally undercutting what bad is about. Um, mm. But again, like it's especially coming right after Winter Soldier, which was like this big complex plot. Um, this is a definitely in terms of like layered storyline for like you know what the plot is it's it's pretty simple and straight to the point which works in its favor and trying to introduce a huge weird space story with a complex plot is how a lot of people get into trouble uh so it works in its favor but that is something that you if you want to nitpick about something that's a vulnerable spot on this movie nothing against it um but the other two that i have are legitimate uh problems road is a terrible villain he's there he exists but and again the movie is not about him or the conflict with him at all he's just there to drive the story forward but when we have five really good in-depth well-rounded characters as our protagonists having a weak villain stands out um and not physically weak but like just weak character writing weak motivations kind of cliched um he's pretty forgettable and i would argue though if you would let me. Um, yes, of course. That uh, Nebula is way more interesting and is a great antagonist. Yes, and that's why, spoiler alert, she will be a great villain antagonist in the sequel. Um, right. Yeah, but she's not given enough screen time here to be anything but uh, a momentary problem, it feels like. Um, or the, it's just a side villain. Yeah, like, she's just know, a she's side just villain. Helping. She's like a sidekick. Weird, but like, you still a, get a lot of interesting tidbits from her backstory and, yes. and suggestions. So Yes, like it, and she is the more interesting villain by far, but she's not the main villain, and that's kind of the problem, is we have this really interesting side villain that is you know, way more fascinating and actually ties in with one of the characters uh, beyond just, I hired you. Um, and, but our main villain is pretty boring. Yes, so that is true. Yep, but um, I think there's a lot of more interesting things going on with the connections between his him and Thanos and him and and Nebula, so right. And again, the story's not about the conflict with him. He's right. just there to move the plot and the characters forward. Right, right. Um, and then one more I had. So we ragged hard on uh, Thor: Dark World for it trying to connect into the MCU and trying too hard to like, you know, bump up the Infinity Stones and all that stuff. And that uh-huh. was well deserved. Uh, that movie is. It's it's still got a one rate. I still hate that movie. Um, so I just it makes me a little angry thinking about it. Um, but that one is bad. And this one, 
does a much, much better job in tying big things that will matter later because um, this isn't the first time we see Thanos. We see him technically at the end credits of The Avengers, uh, but this is the first movie to give him a personality and a voice and an actual character being, but he shows up for like five seconds and it's kind of one of those, like if this was a full story that stood on its own, he might not even exist. He's just kind of like the big guy in the shadow that literally never gets dealt with, even though people keep making a concern problem. And the Infinity Stone is a MacGuffin um, of the highest order. In fact, Peter Quill calls it a MacGuffin. That's yes, got he a does. Very Ark of the Covenant, Maltese Falcon, MacGuffin kind of vibe. He straight up calls it a MacGuffin, which I'm sure was just James Gunn being like, yep, we're not going to hide this. This is, And I should probably clarify what a MacGuffin is. Uh, so I, we keep talking about it. I don't think we've ever explained what it is. A MacGuffin is an object in a story that drives a plot forward that the characters care about. But we, as the audience, don't have any particular carings about. We care about mm-hmm. it because the other characters care about it. Um, the classic one is the Ark of the Covenant in the first Indiana Jones movie, right? We have mm-hmm. no connection to this object. It's just an object. But Indiana Jones, want, Indiana Jones wants it, and so do the Nazis, so therefore we care about who owns it, right? Right. Whether, if it's and, alone, it has great power. Yes, and it has. It doesn't even have to have great power. It could just literally just exist, and if the characters want it, they could fight over a cheesecake, and that could be the MacGuffin, but right. we don't care about the cheesecake. We care about how, what the characters do. Right. Um, so it works in that end, but at the same time, it if this was just a standalone movie, it kind of brings up more threads than it ever truly closes. It opens us this huge thread about these Infinity Stones being like, and there being multiple Infinity Stones, and then never really references them all it's just a powerful object that just has a name because we marvel nerds like it to have a name and then thanos is this big bad guy that shows up and doesn't really do anything he just keeps sitting in his chair and just like growls at people like it keeps calling people boy and then that's it like ronan never comes after him like you know you would expect a a standalone movie to be which is you know you want your like mid-tier villain to kill the top villain to you know to like establish that they're scary they killed the highest thing in the galaxy he just kind of exists and i think that that's not the movie's fault it had to do that but at the same time kind of undercuts the movie a little bit right that makes sense it does um i'm not sure if it's as big of a problem as a, as you let on i no you're, no it's you're, not i'm i'm you're, literally nitpicking you're literally movies. nitpicking okay I'm well nitpicking then I, I won't even talk about it then because nope, sorry we know. Yeah, it's these are all nitpicks <laughs> this movie's too good for me to like have a real huge criticism about it <laughs> all right uh so your first thing was boring villain uh, uh first story was the ba- oh the, simple the story boring the villain. Back, the backhanded compliment of simple story and then yeah the but that's not ones. a real legitimate thing well yeah. I, the boring villain thing um i again it was something that i kind of wrote down because everybody else uh seems to talk about that um and the thing about marvel movies in general in the mcu and this should be a good thing and in some cases it very much is a good thing but the mcu and a lot of other movies that has followed its lead is way more concerned with the characters themselves than they are with uh, the antagonists. In some ways, or in pretty much all the ways, the main character is their worst antagonist, their worst um, obstacle they have to overcome. And so the Guardians of the Galaxy, much like the Avengers, their true antagonist is themselves as a group and... Uh, themselves as individuals and things they have to struggle for so like i don't know the villain serves his purpose and yeah he's really dull um and stuff like that and people really hated the justice league villain too steppenwolf and in some ways they work identically they're functionally uh the same character where they're you know a stepson or whatever the relation is to a, a much bigger villain that will be released later um and he's just kind of a pawn, more or less. And it is interesting, this one, this movie actually did it well versus Justice League. And it did it well for two reasons. One, we get to see the relationships with all these other villains. Um, the Ronin has a you know big falling out with Thanos and has some kind of relationship with Nebula. And you get to see those things play out. And then two, he's an actual actor that's actually there, which is very odd to say because usually, uh, I guess not recently, but uh, uh, historically, 
DC movies are usually the ones that avoid CGI at all costs, and Marvel movies, um, you know, CGI the hell out of everything. And yet, here we are with an actual living, breathing actor uh, as a character. It's a weird phrase a to say that, like, an actor playing a humanoid character is an actual actor that's, like, a positive thing. Like, that's such a weird sentence what, to say. Why like, would that be a positive? Just, that like, be think weird? about, like, through all history, right? Like, act, like, actors have been playing characters for so long and just like kind of somewhat recently that we have had these entire performances played by no person at all um i don't know i just think it's funny yeah (laughs) i i guess yeah that's a recent phenomenon and it works for a benefit for a lot of these characters that can't exist in real life you can't do dr manhattan you can paint a actor all blue but that doesn't you know exactly represent what dr manhattan uh is as like a god or uh an other being of some sort you know yeah and it's uh, like a, so yeah. like it's it's a necessary tool uh oh for I sure just it's just it's funny yeah, that Steppenwolf, that oddly enough like, did not need to be that yeah, yeah exactly it's like when it doesn't need to be that it gets abused like that or like yeah or like andy circus as um caesar and planet of the oh Age. yeah that too or, or golem yeah like those characters could have been played by real people but like usually when you have the option of like you have the ability to have it be played by a real person you do that it's yeah, yeah. it's just kind of odd that like someone would pay so much money to have something that you didn't need to have happen well there's terrible. a lot of things that was paid a lot of money for that So your second one is <laughs> my uh, second thing uh, is that the Nova Corps and the few characters uh, we met felt a little awkward. I didn't, I didn't get what the Nova Corps was like. I got what they were functionally in the plot, but like who they were as people, I thought was really awkward and almost kind of cringeworthy at some points. Yeah, I can, I, I can see that they didn't, they didn't establish much beyond that they're cops. Essentially, they're space yeah. cops. Yeah. But yeah, like they never, and I guess this movie would have been bloated if they tried to yeah. establish more about them. But at the same I, time, yeah, I'm just of, saying the little that they had in there, they could have, excuse me, they could have condensed it and simplified it a little more to uh, being something that wasn't exactly uh, like I like John C. Riley, but it's just I was just like, what are you supposed to be? I don't, I don't, I don't get that. What they were trying to do yeah. as characters. Uh, and, like, they, them, sen- them censoring really? themselves was weird, and uh, my my favorite moment uh, with them, and the only part that I think was legitimately really funny, was uh, the when he was trying to relay that phone call to Glenn Close, and just like, and I'm <laughs> quoting him here, he's not 100% a dick. Uh, <laughs> it's like... Do you do you believe him? Well, I don't believe anyone's a hundred percent a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, that was a great moment, but like everything else is just like this is kind of yeah. weird. Uh, I, yeah, I, murder is the worst case. You know, the yeah, worst. Yeah, that was you a could weird. Commit. That was a weird one. I did like when they arrested uh, when they arrested Peter Quill, Star Lord, and they're making fun of him for having a code name. Which yeah, is funny, yeah. but at the same time, yeah, that we get a, like, extra slap in the face at the very end when we realize he didn't pick Starler as a name to be cool. He picked Starler because that's what his mom calls him. Aww. And that's, like, yeah. I didn't so actually get that. Was that in the note or something? Yep, that's at the very end. He's, like, talking my little, whatever, my Starlord. That's So that's how he gets that name. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like this extra, like, little twist of the knife when you realize you laughed at him for calling himself Starlord, but then why he did it was not because he's yeah. some, like, punk he did it because that's what his mom called him and he, he also probably wanted a code name anyways like let's be yeah. honest he's essentially a 12 year old in a 30 year old's body he wanted a code name yeah yeah and that is just the one to go for um yep. what uh, darn it i've lost my train of thought on what i was gonna say on top of that uh is i in general oh it makes you know there's nothing that surprises me about the fact that they're hardly if at all mentioned in the second one Yep, it's just, just it felt a little useless. I have a feeling that the Infinity War. This is me predicting time, so you know people can tell me I'm wrong when it happens. I think the movie. I think Infinity War is gonna start with Thanos breaking into Nova Corps to get his uh, Infinity Stone. Yes, they're not gonna spend a lot of time over there. They're gonna wreck that place. Like yeah. they're gonna either not off screen wreck it, but they're gonna wreck it and 
that's going it's going to either that starts in the movie or he gets like that's higher up yeah it's they're not long for this world yeah just once once jigsaw gets a hold of them i mean thanos well yeah i i think that'd be really cool to see glenn close and john c Riley again i don't know if it'd be yeah. cool to see him die but no, you i don't know. want to see that either um but, I'd rather these characters existed because that whole idea that there's like this, this it's fun to have space cops. Like I like yeah. that idea. Um, yeah. So I, I hope know. that it doesn't mean the die. I hope it means he just breaks into the place, smashes it, just basically does a smash and grab and runs out. And they're like, Oh no, like that would be totally fine with me. Right. Um, so there you go. And then the third thing I already talked about, uh, this would later spawn some horrible copycats. Uh, oh my god! Yes. Suicide Squad is the one that everybody can agree is a horrible copycat. Uh, yep. But I also, you know, I, I'm not going to spoil it. But there's two other MCU movies that I feel like follows this movie's lead, and I don't think works nearly as well because it does not have the heart and and um, uh, authenticity, uh, genuineness of these characters' emotions as well as this movie does. So yeah. Um, I wanted to like, say, I'm not going to talk about what MCU copycats, whether I know which ones you're talking about or not. I think I might maybe, but um, we're not going to get into that one. Um, but a lot of things might, they might be copycats. Suicide Squad's obviously the big one, um, pretty right. much to a point, except they try and make it gritty uh, without realizing that that totally undercuts what's happening. Um, but they all, basically they all try and like take all three of our goods that we said are what's good about this movie and kind of like, twist them in a really awkward corporate terrible way yes. um a lot of movies after this like for the um like big action movies will have a lot of pop music in it um or nostalgia in based the trailers music. yeah in the trailers and in the movie itself will be nostalgia based 70s 80s pop culture things without realizing that why it works in this movie is because it actually functions within the story they'll yeah. either pop up awkwardly in the trailers to like be like oh remember this song Mm-hmm. Or they'll pop up awkwardly in the movie with no framing device of why they are happening. They happen in this movie because Peter Quill's got the Walkman and plays it. That's why they exist. In right. the other movies, they will just pop up randomly because, oh, don't you remember this song? It's kind of cool. Without... Don't you like this one? It kind yeah. of fits with Deadshot shooting uh, shooting range. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they'll, the comedy will be in there. and It'll be that bathos all over again without, you know, any emotional support or anything like that it'll just be quippy weird dialogue that happens um with a bunch of rogue characters who are villains but not really villains that are, are i guess kind of anti-heroes but um and like all the characters they'll have will be trying to fit under this tentpole of what the guardians of the galaxy characters are like which is you know a bunch of a-holes who are heroes but not really heroes like they're not conventionally superman captain america you know heroes um but they all fail miserably because they don't have any of the heart or the thought outness or the characters are not well-rounded. Um, they're all, and it's, it's too bad that this movie, it spawned so many. It's great that this movie's so influential, but it's too bad. Not many movies took what was good about this and really sat down and thought, okay, this is why these things are in there. We can ape it, but we have to realize that this is what the necessary steps to make this work. Fine. We can have pop music, but we need some kind of framing device and to use it to better our characters. Yes, we can have comedy, but that doesn't mean we can undercut on the emotional moments. We have to, like, nail it hard. And more, most importantly of all, if we haven't talked about this enough, we're going to do it to death even more. The characters are what make this movie good. Having solid, well-rounded characters that have wants and needs. They aren't the same wants and the same needs, but they're all there and exist. That's what made this movie so good. And that's when almost none of the impersonators have picked up from this. Absolutely. With that, let's go right into your rating, Mr. Potterbomb. To remind everybody, one means you hated it, two means you really didn't like it, three means you liked it, four means you really liked it, and five means you loved it and it's one of your favorites. And Potts, what is your rating for Guardians of the Galaxy? Do you want to go first? Uh... Uh, yeah, I can go first. It's okay. my mine's just a four point five. I think this is just as I, good and like it just as much as too. Like yeah, I like it just almost, as much as Avengers. Army was almost gonna do four point two five, but like the more we talk about, it, the more I'm like, no, this is too good for that. Like yeah. this is easily one of my favorites of the MCU. Um, obviously, we love this movie, and it's just. So and it was a nice. It's, it's a solid, great movie. So good, um, and it's a nice boost 
of what the MCU could be. Um, I feel like without this movie, it might have gone into a weird direction that I don't know if I would have liked as much. Um, but with this movie kind of like was the the movie that we didn't even know we wanted. I like I don't think most people knew who any of these characters were. And now mm-hmm. I couldn't go five feet without saying Rocket Raccoon. And people know who Rocket Raccoon is like, yeah, that's so I almost cool put that me. as one of my bads is that this is the first obscure comic book movie that got really popular. And like now everybody thinks they're a comic book nerd because they know who these characters are. And I legitimately, I was at, uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I was legitimately at a, um, I was hanging out with friends and, and a coworker, I wouldn't call her a friend. Um, <laughs> Cause we're going to get to this, like, this will be partially why I don't like this person. Um, but we were having a conversation and it somehow like what Guardians of the Galaxy was happened. And you know, like, and like people were like, I didn't like two. And I chime in because spoiler alerts, I love two just as much as this one. So I said, I really like two. And she's like, from across the table, she like slams down the table and goes, no, you shut up. You can't have an opinion about this because you haven't read the comics. And I I was just like, what? I I didn't say anything. I was just like, okay, whatever. Because I didn't want to start a fight because she was kind of drunk. And it was like one of those things that's like, you know, when to pick your battles. And like everybody at the outside of the table pretty much knew that this person had issues. Yeah, uh, so it was like, okay, fine. I don't need to pick a battle because we're not going to get anywhere and I'm just going to look like a jerk. But it's just rubbed me raw. That's just like, why, one, why would that make any difference on my, me having an opinion? Two, why would you ever tell me someone I couldn't have an opinion about something having seen or experienced that type of media? Yeah, it's one thing to like rag on a movie if you've never seen it before because, yeah, it's you haven't seen it. Like, maybe you're missing out on something, but I've seen the movie. So that should be enough. Also, three, I guarantee you I've read more comics than you have. Yeah. Fight me on that one. And guess what? That doesn't matter at all. These aren't based off of any comics whatsoever. They're its own thing, and it works. So, sorry. That, that yeah, uh, how, I, I get I, what happened. I was going to ask you, how similar are these characters to their comic book counterparts in the first place? Honestly, really not at all. Um, Drax yeah, definitely doesn't have... Not, this, is all, this is all pretty much James Gunn. Idea 100%. Um, Gamora's still serious and stuff like that, but definitely not the way she is now. Peter Quill is a, at least the story I read him when before these movies came out, they very much retroactively changed the characters to fit the movie, um, but was definitely not a quippy adolescent child of a man um yeah he was dad, like a, he was a straightforward like space yeah. adventure like yeah, he was uh, like, yeah pretty much, like uh yeah. what's what's the dc equivalent i forget his name he's uh, the one with the weird hat and has a ray gun uh adam strange no yeah adam know. strange that's yeah it. um but yeah he's like a basically like uh yeah he's just he's just the average hero um the story i read him in he was a little bit battle-hardened but yeah uh rocket raccoon one has a cockney accent and Two, definitely not. Yeah, um, and like, and it's just he's definitely not as he's still he's the most similar, but definitely doesn't have angsty of a past. Um, he was not a mutated monster at all. He was born oh, that God. way. Um, and Groot is definitely was not as prevalent in these stories, and definitely was not this simpleton character, right? So um, nobody there you go. really. Yeah, um, so these characters, this, and the Nova Corps is not a space, or like the Green Lanterns, they're not really cops of one particular planet area. Um, the, like, none of this really matches anything with the comics. So, so that person's argument was irrelevant. Yeah. So, who cares? Um, it's fun that it's its own thing, and that's great. So, so yeah, I can see why that's a bad, which is not that people understand, like, have more knowledge about this obscure thing. I love that. I am so happy that people know about these See, weird I'm characters. See, I'm not happy because when I meet some people's random brother and they're just like, oh yeah, Jeff Goldblum's character is the brother of the Collector, I'm just like, I'm being upstaged. Like, that was the one good thing I have in life. I am a comic book movie nerd and here I am completely outmatched by this jock who just knew that. Very yeah. angry. <laughs> but at the same time, it's nice that the people know it and nobody's, A, making fun of you for knowing that, right? And two, um, it's it's not, I feel like it's not the people's knowledge. It's when they're snobby jerks about it or they're know-it-alls about it. That's what frustrates me about people knowing obscure stuff. And this isn't comics. This is life in general. So it just happens Listen, to Listen, Potabomb, I don't have much in this life. 
All I got is comic books. And sometimes a sense of humor. This is horrible. This is horrible news for all comic book fans. Yeah, we should. Now have to endear people knowing who Guardians of the Galaxy is. Yeah, God, how dare we have more more people reading the things that we enjoy and have more to talk about. Ugh. Bah humbug. I'm Kirk Peterson. I'm still Alex Potterbaum. And this has been Potts versus Pete's. The Marvelous Morons. See you next week, folks. We will be on our way to... What is the next one? Avengers Age of Ultron, so Avengers 2. Oh, we're on our way to the Avengers Age of Ultron. See you next time. Excelsior. Hi, everybody. I'm Alex Potterbaum, and I will be raining you the credits this time. The spectacular Keila Kalusha composed the music. This episode has been edited by the astonishing Will Dodds, the amazing me, and the uncanny Kirk Peterson have been your hosts. The spoiler rumors for the Infinity War synopsis were given to you by none other than Robert Downey Jr. Thank you for listening, true believer. Excelsior meow.